You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. on your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier right there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Great, great options for you, whether it is your March Madness treats. You probably need a refill after that crazy weekend. Uh, You've got your Easter baskets to consider. And look, even if you do your own Easter basket, maybe you like to do that. That's your tradition in your family. You can take it up to Peterbrook Chocolatier, and they'll help you get it packed and ready to go. Uh, They'll take care of that for you at Peterbrook Chocolatier. 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the 60 of Sports Talk Radio. And this, the Eve, also, by the way, we're going to talk a lot of hoops. We're going to talk a lot of hoops. But for Jacob Harrison, this is almost like Christmas Eve, man. You've got Pro Day at the University of Alabama tomorrow. So many questions. I don't know if Jacob Harrison will be able to sleep tonight. His hair may be on fire. I can't see it right now in anticipation of Pro Day. But, Jacob, what will Najee Harris run? What will Devontae Smith weigh? How will Jalen Waddle look coming off the injury? How far has Dylan Moses improved with that knee? Man, so many great questions for Pro Day 2021 at Alabama. Yeah, I was so excited. I thought that the pro day was today when I got to work today and was anticipating covering the the, uh, the pro day after it was done. Uh, but I mean, those are all valid questions. I'm also interested in in Alex Leatherwood. Uh, we haven't seen mm-hmm. him since the last day of of Senior Bowl practice, like at all. And it's also going to be interesting to see how Deontay Brown weighs in. Uh, and and also who visits with Landon Dickerson, uh, and and of course I'm going to be very mindful as to who the Pittsburgh Steelers send to Tuscaloosa tomorrow. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Maybe Carl Dunbar makes a return trip, right, to come down. I guess defensive line though. When you talk about the Steelers, not as much of a concern, but you never know. I bet Carl will show up. You know, he's familiar with that 
with those uh, stomping grounds as the former defensive line coach at Alabama. And you got Christian Barmore that a lot of scouts are going to want to see as well. So we'll get into uh, we'll get into some pro day talk as we move throughout the program. Obviously into tomorrow as well. But we are centered up on March Madness. No doubt about that. You've got the Alabama women's team tipping off essentially right now in San Antonio, Texas as a seven seed taking on the Tar Heels of North Carolina. Last appearance for Alabama women's basketball in an NCAA tournament against North Carolina way back in 1999, a century ago, essentially. It feels like it for sure, but Alabama looking to get a W out in the Lone Star State. I like Alabama in this game. I like the versatility, as we've talked about before, with the guard play led by Jordan Lewis, Jasmine Walker's versatility, both on the perimeter and the paint, and then Ariah Copeland, who at times can be a dominant force in the post. Yeah, I think Alabama's physicality. Jordan Lewis at point, not maybe the quickest. She's got quickness, but maybe not. She's not Javon Quinterly, okay, off the bounce. But she's a physical point guard who can get downhill, get to the bucket, uh, again, Copeland with that presence in the paint. I think the combination of those things, I think Alabama women get it done. Get it done against the Tar Heels. We'll talk about the men's matchup tonight against the Maryland Terrapins. Ironically enough, if Alabama's women's team beats North Carolina today, they too will likely see Maryland in a second-round matchup. But we do know the Alabama fellas are going to see the Terps Tonight up in Indianapolis, uh, it's at the India, uh, Indiana Bankers Fieldhouse, home to the Indiana Pacers. So you go from you go from venerable Hinkle Fieldhouse to the NBA home of the Pacers. Maybe Alabama will shoot it a little bit better. Maybe that's exactly what John Petty needs. Although you look at Hinkle and you think it's kind of bandboxish. It's a little different in terms of its configuration, kind of like Coleman. It looks like anyway. Uh, in some ways, how it's set up. But maybe you can get John Petty going from beyond three, beyond the arc, give him credit, continues to work hard in every other facet of the game, whether it's rebounding, whether it's playing defense. Just need John Petty to see if you go through the net early. The earlier, the better tonight against this Maryland team, which was very impressive. Maryland very, very impressive in his first-round win over UConn uh, with Eric Ayala. That's the matchup tonight. I mean, we can get all into nuts and bolts and things like that, but how Alabama goes about dealing with Eric Ayala and limiting his effectiveness as a two-way player, a guy who at 6'4", 6'5", can sort of bully opposing guards on the defensive end because it's not so much about speed and quickness with him, but he is of size. And when he wants to get to the rim, he didn't have much of a problem with that against UConn. And then on top of that, he knocks down some threes in the win over the Huskies. You can't let him get it going both ways. And he also facilitates the rest of that Maryland offense in doing so. If he's getting into the paint and he's giving you problems and he's scoring at the rim and you have to collapse and commit an extra guy to him from the wing, well, then you leave guys like Aaron Wiggins – Maryland open from three and they can certainly make you pay by the way the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line on what is also a winners and losers Monday here on the program if you'd like to jump on board at 
342-9904. You are more than welcome to do so. I mean, it's another Monday, Jacob, with a ton of winners where the Alabama Athletics Department is concerned. You had Alabama Gymnastics winning an SEC title. It's 10th in program history up in Huntsville over the weekend, also an individual title as a part of that. So Dana Duckworth squad gets it done in SEC Gymnastics. Alabama softball takes two of three from Tennessee over the weekend at the Rhodes House. Dropped that first one. Came back and won two straight to win that series. Alabama softball now five and one in SEC play. Trailing, Arkansas's improved in softball in recent years. Like the rest of the league, Arkansas committed to softball. Built a new facility, did all those things to make itself relevant, not only from a conference perspective, but also on the national scene. And now you're seeing Arkansas softball at 6-0 and in the league. But as you might expect, right behind the Razorbacks, you've got Alabama and Florida at 5-1 and in the league through two weekends. So on the Diamonds, for softball anyway, it was a good weekend. It wasn't a terrible weekend for Alabama baseball out at number one Arkansas. You know, you didn't get what you wanted. If you're Brad Bohannon, you wanted to win the series, obviously. You wanted to take two of three on the road. That would have been huge for this team. But you did get what you need. You needed to win one. You didn't need to get swept out there on the opening weekend of SEC baseball play. So Alabama gets the win in the Friday night game. I think Alabama used it all up offensively. Used it all up offensively on Friday night. I tweeted as much while Alabama was pounding the Razorbacks to the tune of a 16-1 to win in game one of that series, I was like, guys, save a little. Save a little for Saturday and Sunday. Don't use them all up in a 16-1 to game. Well, kind of turned out that way. Alabama scoring just two runs in losses to Arkansas on Saturday and Sunday. So a lot to get into. Spring football underway at the Capstone. We mentioned Pro Day set for tomorrow at Alabama. Alabama football back on the practice field. Coming up later this afternoon, you've got Alabama hoops. You're bookending with Alabama hoops early with the women, late with the men. That's a late night tip. That's one of those 745. And that's if everything goes according to plan in the first couple of games at uh, Indiana Banker Fieldhouse. You're going to have that surprising matchup before Alabama there at the Fieldhouse with UCLA and Abilene Christian. How about Abilene Christian? Little old Abilene Christian taking it to the big state U, taking it to Texas in that round one game. That was uh, that was a little bit of a shocker. Yours truly, on record, of course, telling you, Texas probably the biggest obstacle between Alabama and the Final Four. Well, you hope that's the case. You hope that's the case for the rest of this East region East Regional, because if it is, Alabama should be in good shape. Some really monster matchups at the top of the bracket in the East today as well with Michigan LSU, one versus an eight. And I can promise you, Jawan Howard right now, after he spent some time watching LSU, especially here of late, he doesn't feel like he's getting an eight in round two. He's feel like he's getting a Sweet 16 type matchup in the 32. LSU right now more like a four seed than an eight. So that ought to be a heck of a matchup coming up later this evening. A lot of stuff going on in that evening window of your NCAA tournament coverage. And then kind of an under-the-radar 
game that you're also going to have at the top of the bracket bracket between Colorado, Pac-12 member Colorado. Pac-12's been lights out, man, so far in the tournament. We were told going into this tournament, watch out, the Big Ten, exceptionally stout, very strong. And then we see a one seed in Illinois go home, courtesy of Loyola of Chicago and Sister Jean, bless her, 101 years old, just chilling at the tournament in Indianapolis, watching her Ramblers take out, again, another another flagship school. You had Abilene Christian do it to Texas, and you had Loyola of Chicago do it to the University of Illinois. So you've had Ohio State go out as a two-seed. We were told the Big Ten was going to dominate this thing. Not so much. In fact, right now, the Big Ten leaning more on stepchildren than those of the DNA uh, that has been in that league for a long, long time because Maryland taking on Alabama tonight. And then, of course, you have Rutgers that uh, won a first-round game. So we'll see how things go this evening. We're going to step aside for our first break. We come back. We'll get into more spring football talk. Nick Saban addressed the media following last Friday's practice. We'll talk some Alabama football with you. We'll get into more winners and losers. The NCAA already a big loser in getting both these men's and women's tournaments started. We'll do all that and more when Southern Fried Sports returns on a Monday, presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier, right here on Tide 100.9 FM, right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama Sports, and it's brought to you by C Spire. Add C Spire Fiber to your roster at cspire.com slash AL Fiber. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama men's basketball used an 18-4 second-half run to hold off a pesky Iona squad 68-55 in the opening round of the 2021 NCAA tournament. With the victory, the Crimson Tide advances to the second round, where it will meet the 10th-seeded Maryland Terrapins, which defeated UConn on Saturday. Alabama and Maryland will tip off at 7.45 p.m. Central on Monday night with coverage on the radio starting at 6.30 p.m. Senior forward Herbert Jones led all scorers for the Crimson Tide with 20 points, his third 20-point game of the season, and six rebounds, while SEC Tournament Most Valuable player Javon Quinterly ended with 11 points off the bench. Guards John Petty Jr. and Jaden Shackelford each contributed 10 points in the win. I'll have more in a moment. Bad internet is bad for business. We've all been there. Lagging video chats. Slow downloads. Oh, come on. It's just not a good look. Instead, call Seaspire Business. Our local experts deliver gigabit speeds backed by thousands of miles of fiber for the fastest, most reliable internet around. Period. No excuses, no apologies. Just fiber fast internet that works. Seaspire Business. See how our fiber solutions can help power your success at seaspirebusiness.com. We've got you covered for Alabama women's basketball in the NCAA tournament. Alabama is the number seven seed in the Hemisphere region and will face the number 10 seed, North Carolina Tar Heels, on Monday morning at 11 a.m. Our radio coverage from San Antonio begins at 10.55 a.m. as Alabama makes its first NCAA tournament appearance since 1999. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by C Spire. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports. 
The sky partially sunny this afternoon, the high 73, becoming cloudy tonight, the low 56. Tomorrow, cloudy with a chance of showers and thunderstorms by afternoon, the high 74. Wednesday, occasional showers and thunderstorms likely, the high 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 65 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. San Antonio at the women's NCAA tournament and Alabama with an eight to five lead over North Carolina. So a solid start. Neither team exactly lighting it up offensively, but look, you know where they're playing this game, right? In the Alamo Dome. So yeah. Shooting a basketball in a football stadium is always a lot of fun. Always a real challenge. But Alabama getting the better of it so far in that matchup with North Carolina. In fact, Anna Barber, the veteran guard from Homewood High School, just knocked down a three off an assist from Megan Abrams. So it's 11-5 Alabama with 432 left in the first quarter. They do it the right way in the women's game. The men need to go ahead and make this change. They've needed to make this change for years. Uh, the quarters, quarters in the women's games, four 10-minute quarters. Of course, the men play the 20-minute halves, and then with 11 minutes in the half, you're in the bonus already. So you get half of a half spent shooting free throws. Not in the women's game. The fouls reset with each quarter. Five team fouls, and you shoot two. You just shoot two in the women's game. There's no one and one like that as well. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. If you'd like to jump on board with us on a Monday morning, we'd love to hear from you. Um, Alabama spring football, as we know, well underway now. Crimson Tide set to return to the practice field this afternoon following last Friday's opening practice, a first spring practice of any kind for Alabama since 2019. Shorts and helmets, got to go through a little bit of an acclimation period when you jump back out there. And we were all crowded, crowded around our phones, crowded around our laptops. We are now ultra-dependent on those little vignettes of practice video we get from uh, UA. No media viewing periods for the time being, you know, and those weren't exactly expansive time frames that we were working with, but 
you could get out there for 10 minutes or so and at least get an idea of who's out there, first and foremost. It's always roll call every day, but really the first day of spring, first day of fall camp, you're just trying to find out who's practicing. Then it's more of uh, just getting a look at guys, seeing how maybe they've come through the fourth quarter program. A lot of guys going in their second year make drastic physical changes, so you kind of check that out. See if there's any position experimentation that might be going on as far as a wide receiver going over to DB or vice versa. You know, when Blake Sims was at Alabama, we had to do that almost practice by practice. For about three years there, you weren't exactly sure where Blake Sims was going to be when you walked through the uh, the doors there and out into the practice area at the Hank Crisp. Well, that's the indoor facility, but the outdoor facility right there next door. You just had to see where Blake was at. But um, you did hear from Nick Saban post-practice. Thought it was interesting in terms of availability, guys who are coming off postseason surgeries that you're not going to see a lot or hear a lot about during spring practice with an emphasis on the offensive side of the ball, which becomes even more interesting because you know what Alabama has to replace over there. Not so much with Emil Echior out because there's a sense of security there with him as an every game starter uh, at guard last year. You know what you're getting with him. If he's going to stick there at right guard, he can play left guard. He can play center. Um, But then also Pierce quick continuing to miss time. That's an extension from last season, had some issues during the season. Uh, So the interior of the offensive line should be interesting throughout spring drills. Doug Marone's got some quality options. Even with a couple of those guys limited and or out, Chris Owens back is a six-year senior. Again, that's a nice sense of security you have there in the interior of the offensive line. And really, Chris can give you, he can give you something at just about any spot. Because you also are considering that right tackle position uh, with the departure of Alex Leatherwood on the left side, Evan Neal presumably going over to the left side, and viable candidates at right tackle. you got so many of these tackles for Alabama that cross-train between guard and tackle. So Tommy Brown, the guy who initially, he's 6'7", worked at tackle early on in his career, has been more so inside the last year or so uh, has a real chance now in 15 practices to make a case at one of those guard spots. Kendall Randolph is another veteran that you're very comfortable with, whether it's been tackle, whether it's been guard, whether it's been tight in a good bit these last two seasons. And you can go back to the end of the 2020 season and look at tight ends like Miller Forstall and Jalil Billingsley, and then you've got Randolph, who started four of the last five games at tight end. So he was as much in that mix as either Billingsley or Forstall, but because of your current situation at guard, you know, Kendall Randolph becomes a, a real possibility. Now, Kendall physically, probably more along the lines of what you would see at right tackle or even tight end, but I'll say this for Kendall Randolph. When he has been in games at guard with an emphasis on a couple of years ago when Keelan Robinson was a true freshman, When that second group came in and they ran behind Kendall Randolph, it seemingly went for explosive plays a lot with him in there. So he obviously can give you something there at the guard position. But you've got these young tackles, these early enrollees, J.C. Latham, Tommy Brockermeyer. Uh, What can they do at the tackle position? J.D. Cohen in his second year, Damian George. 
these are a couple of guys, again, when you think about cross-training, they are viable candidates. They could play inside. One of these young tackles could play inside. Look at how many of these Alabama tackles in recent history have done that. Evan Neal did it a couple of years ago before going back out to tackle last year. Alex Leatherwood did it before finishing his final two seasons as the starter at left tackle. Nick Saban has said it many, many times, and it ain't going to change anytime soon. It's all about finding the best five, and that could be any number of combinations. Now, Evan Neal at tackle, Emil Echior at guard, probably Chris Owens at center. You would seem to think that's two or three that you got right there, but when it comes to guard and tackle, those other spots, and maybe even center, we'll see. Uh, could be any number of combinations by the time we get to A-Day on April the 17th. 205-342-9904. Also, with John Mechie limited and or out, wide receiver right now is as fascinating as it's been in a long, long time because there's always been pretty much that one guy, and I think John Mechie is certainly going to be one of those two or three guys. Is John Mechie a high-level number one receiver? I think he can be. I think his production last year, when you look around the rest of the SEC, obviously he's massively overshadowed by Devontae Smith, but when you just look at his numbers, he nearly had a 1,000-yard season last year, John Mechie, against all Power 5 competition, almost exclusively SEC competition. And when it wasn't SEC competition – It was Notre Dame and Ohio State in the college football playoff, and he did it, as we're learning more and more now, at least through a portion of that season at less than 100%. So he certainly has that capability to graduate to that 1,000-yard club that we've seen from Judy, that we've seen from Devontae Smith. Uh, But without his presence out there on a daily basis, you got to go back a ways to find a rotation – that is going to be trying to figure as much out at the top as Alabama is going through right now. Now, it's the perfect opportunity for a veteran like Xavier Williams or one of these second-year players or two or three of these second-year players. We've heard a lot of good things about Javon Baker. Okay, let's see it. It's time for it to start showing up. Treshawn Holden, this would be a good time to make a move. Tyu Jones-Bell, I know it's just second-year But you've got three early enrollees in here now, two of them five stars, another a very dynamic player in Christian Leary. you got JoJo Earl coming in the summer. They put the pressure on these guys quickly. It's not like you can come into Alabama and go, well, you know, especially at the skill spots. Now, maybe at offensive line, which is a developmental position, it's more the case. But if you come in at a skill spot, even quarterback at Alabama, You better hit the ground running uh, because that window can come and go pretty quickly. No doubt about it. We're going to head to our next break here on the program. When we come back, did you see where Prime? Prime took an L down in Montgomery over the weekend. Coach Prime. And he didn't like it. They trolled Coach Prime down there at Bama State. We'll talk about that and more when Southern Fried Sports returns on a Monday. Presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. 
You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Monday program, the Blue Album by Weezer, going back to 1994 for that baby, the last perfect rock and roll album produced by any band, in my opinion anyway, that one right there, the Blue Album, The two oldest kids were basically early childhood raised on the Blue Album up through Maladroit from Weezer. Poor things. Riding around in those family trucksters. Everyone on the outside thinking, you know, there's a together family. They're in an expedition with the dual in-seat televisions for the little ones to watch their shows. Meanwhile, the CD player. That's right, CD player back in 94, pal. The yeah. 90s anyway. Late 90s. Just blaring Weezer. Especially in the early aughts, about the time Maladroit dropped. Yeah, there you go. That's your Southern Fried Sports playlist. Of the day out in San Antonio. Good news so far for the Alabama women's basketball team. 22 to 15 leaders early in the second quarter over North Carolina. Alabama getting some balanced scoring. And when it gets a fourth score, when Alabama gets something from someone other than Copeland, Walker, and Lewis, that's when the Crimson Tide becomes a real problem. And that was the case in the first quarter. Hannah Barber with a couple of threes, so she added to that mix. And Megan Abrams is capable of doing it offensively, and she did it as well with five of her own. Jordan Lewis with six, uh, and also Jasmine Walker with five. So you like the balanced scoring. Araya Copeland didn't score in the first quarter, but she did give you three rebounds and two blocks. And most importantly for an Alabama team, again, not especially deep. Uh, no foul trouble as of yet with 8.45 left in the second quarter out in San Antonio at the Alamo Dome. Now Alabama 22, North Carolina 17. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. Winners and losers on a Monday. Coach Prime took the L. Coach Prime took the L down in Montgomery over the weekend. Alabama State. Knocks off Jackson State. And Prime got trolled 
I don't know if you saw this, Jacob Harrison. Did you see the video board at Bama State? That's a nice stadium, by the way. If you've been through that sort of cut through, if you're going from 65 over to 231, which I do quite a bit, getting down to see Pops and the fam in Northeast Florida, uh, you go right by the Alabama State campus, and they built that new stadium not a decade ago, and it's big time. But apparently the video board at Alabama State after uh, the Hornets win over the uh, over the Tigers flashed a throwback pick of Jerry Curled Prime back in his heyday, you know, his playing days. Whether I don't know whether it was the Braves, the Falcons, the Cowboys, but uh, it was a throwback pick of Prime that they trolled him with immediately after the game. And Prime wasn't happy about it. Prime, in his post-game press conference, let ASU know about it. He also said that ASU refused to sell tickets to the JSU fan base and that Alabama State did not allow Jackson State into the visiting locker room until just a few hours before the game's kickoff. A few hours. I mean, how much time do you need in the locker room, you know? I guess three would be pretty much standard. So uh, they cut some of that for Prime. He just didn't appreciate it. But you know what? Here's the thing about it. It's all still a W for Prime because you got TMZ. You got TMZ talking about Jackson State football. You think TMZ was talking about Jackson State football before Prime? No, I don't think so. So it's still a W in the long run, I guess. For Deion Sanders, 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line as we get you ready for Pro Day 2021 at the University of Alabama. Jacob Harrison, we've talked about this in the last week or so as far as the biggest questions going into those workouts tomorrow. We hit on some of them at the outset of the show. In terms of outside interest, Though, Jacob, do you think it is Najee in his performance, or do you think it's Devontae, you know, weighing in? Um, do you, how do you see those in terms of priority? I guess first for fans and draft nicks like yourself, but then maybe from the team's perspective, because that, that, as we know, that, that those things don't always match up. Well, Smith already says that he's weighing 170 and that he's not going to do anything tomorrow. So that kind of narrows down what his whole entire situation is. You know, whether he weighs two pounds heavier than 170 isn't going to change anything. Uh, I still contend that 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 Najee's 40 is probably going to be the most exciting thing of the day uh, unless he runs, you know, like a 4.58, which is kind of what I expect him to. you know, anything lower or higher is what's going to be the exception of whether or not he's a mid-round first or an early second. Uh, but I'm I'm still keeping a closer eye on on the offensive linemen because they're the ones that have more leeway in where they could go if they can climb into the first or if they'll fall into the third, uh, especially when it comes with Leatherwood and Deontay Brown, as well as what what Christian Barrymore is going to do. He's he's I think his situation is more just. Go out there and, and look disciplined in everything that you do. Uh, and, you know, if he needs any correcting or anything like that, just take it in stride and uh, show that you're co- coachable. I think that's a great point about Christian Barmore because 
I think his rep is that he hasn't always taken care of the perceived little things. He has plenty of big play production on his tape and uh, on his bio. Uh, But he has also had instances where maybe he's gone hero ball a little bit. And ultimately, it's cost the defense as a whole. So it's a great point about technique, technical, and attention to detail just in general. Just everything you do tomorrow, as soon as you step inside the Hank Crisp Indoor facility, make sure it's on point. Everything. And so, yeah, with Barmore, I think that's a that's a big thing for him. Uh, what can't? Deontay Brown wait tomorrow, Jacob. I mean, obviously the Senior Bowl was not a good look for him, or a good number for him. What can't he wait tomorrow? Well, they are uh, they're doing some media stuff today, so I've been keeping up with that for the past ten or fifteen minutes. Um, supposedly he's weighed in at three forty six, and I think that's oh, a pretty, wow. that's a pretty great number. Uh, that was kind of the number that oh, you yeah. were saying before we started the show. You, uh, I think you said three forty two. All of that is is really really good for him, and he's been he said that he's been working on his lateral movement and, and things like that. The things that were his weaknesses are what he's putting his efforts into, and I think that that pro, you know for him to make such a drastic change in two months that's really really big for him and could you know help him kind of climb into that second round. Yeah, he needed that after the Senior Bowl, no doubt about it. I was putting his over under for weight at like three forty and a half. And that's still a little over, but under 350 is fine for for Deontay. You know, you just can't be 365 or mid 360s uh, at your pro day after that Senior Bowl performance. Um, some other guys, it's a big day for. I mean, I want to. It's amazing, isn't it? A year ago, so much of the talk and uh, the celebration, really, that Dylan Moses was coming back for another year. Uh, physically at times, many times throughout the 2020 season, I thought it was pretty clear, still not quite there yet. Um, and I think a team potentially can get a lot of value out of Dylan. I think if you're a team and you're able to get him second, maybe third round, even maybe mid rounds, uh, he, he, he basically saved you a year last year by going back to school. Um, so if you get him as a third rounder, I got to think physically he's already, he's in a better place right now than he was against Ohio state back in January. I got to believe that he's further removed from the injury. Uh, he's coming up on the two year anniversary coming up in August. And, you know, whereas they've come a long way as far as rehab and surgeries and procedures are concerned, it still seems like with that kind of injury at that position, it's a year. It's at least a year to get back to some semblance of pre-injury. It was that way all the way back to Dante Hightower in 2010. Dante coming off that knee injury in 2008, and Dante's was extensive now. Dante's wasn't just a simple ACL tear with maybe a little bit of a meniscus or an MCL. Dante, from what I understand, was a triad. So, 2010, it was it was hard at times to watch Dante Hightower out there. But 2011, he was great. He was great, and I think Dylan Moses has that kind of potential, and that's gonna that's gonna present some 
potentially really nice value for an NFL team. 205-342-9904. Going to step aside for a final break. When we come back, more of a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. The sky partially sunny this afternoon, the high 73, becoming cloudy tonight, the low 56. Tomorrow, cloudy with a chance of showers and thunderstorms by afternoon, the high 74. Wednesday, occasional showers and thunderstorms likely, the high 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 66 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. play on this Monday and with a little more than four minutes to go at last check Iowa 41 Oregon 38 pretty entertaining game to this point meanwhile out in San Antonio Texas Alabama approaching halftime the women are in their matchup with the North Carolina Tar Heels, 117 left in the second quarter. Alabama 36, North Carolina 31. Jordan Lewis for Alabama. 15 points in the first half. She's getting the shots up, 6 of 14. The Dome doesn't seem to be affecting Alabama from three all that much. Crimson side, 5 of 10 from beyond the arc so far. 5 of 6. From the free throw line. So Alabama with a five-point lead over North Carolina as they approach halftime out there in San Antonio. And it is a winners and losers Monday here on Southern Pride Sports. And, of course, the NCAA can't get out of its own way, as you heard and saw, I'm sure, late last week. The NCAA, it's almost as if they thought, you know what? These are men's and women's teams. And so – It's not like men's and women's basketball players interact or converse or, say, social media friends. So let's load up the guys with all the swag, all of the workout equipment, all of the best of the best in Indianapolis. And then for the ladies down in San Antonio, we'll give them not even half. Not even half of the same type of swag. And how about for a workout facility, we'll give them this pathetic-looking rack of dumbbells, and that'll be it. 
mean, did you really think? I mean, first and foremost, why wasn't it just rubber stamp? You've got the blueprint for what you're going to do in Indianapolis. You can't just replicate that to San Antonio. I mean, it's like you had to go out of your way to make it half butt for the ladies. Not even half butt. I guess I don't know if I can say what I really want to say about that. But, uh, wow, the NCAA, of course, it blows up on social media. And then the ever-reactive NCAA, once things go down the crapper, oh, we're going to take care of this. We're going to get this fixed. Like I said, it was almost like you had to try to screw that up. And they still managed to do it. So, yeah, the NCAA has been saved in some ways in that the games on the men's side, you've had the Cinderella's. And again, here on the program, we're anti-Cindy's, okay? We're not Cindy-friendly on Southern Fried Sports. We don't like all the Cinderella's. Now, we don't mind We don't mind Syracuse being sort of like a double-digit seed and moving on, or UCLA, but I don't want too many. I don't like too many Oral Roberts, all right? I'll take one. You can have one Cinderella. That's fine. But when we start getting into these second-round matchups and we got, like, UCLA and Abilene Christian, I'm not for that. Uh, Alabama, it works out pretty well, or it could. You get past a 10 seed tonight in Maryland, you get another double-digit seed in the eight. As we talked about earlier in the show, meanwhile, at the top of that bracket, it's an absolute sweet 16 already type of environment with Michigan and LSU and also Colorado and Florida State going to chalk in their first round game. So, um, but the NCAA, wow, unbelievable. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. A few moments left in today's program. Again, so much on the plate this time of year. We love it. We love it here because we love a little bit of everything. Obviously, spring football, we're glad to see back. And all the storylines that you have with this Alabama team and really around the Southeastern Conference in general, Quarterback position at a number of places up for grabs. I was looking at working on a wide receiver piece for BamaOnline.com where opposing wide receivers on Alabama's 2021 schedule is concerned. And it seems like more than a couple of these candidates that I have for this top five list for opposing wide receivers are contingent on the quarterback situation now might be a little bit of a surprise to you, but I'm going to have John Rice Plumley among my top five opposing wide receivers on Alabama schedule. He's tracking down fly balls currently for the Ole Miss baseball team. But I think when the fall rolls around, he'll be taking fungos from Matt Corral's right arm. And look, I get it. Even when you look at Ole Miss's returning wide receivers without Elijah Moore, who was headed to the NFL. Dontario Drummond had a nice season. Jonathan Mingo has a lot of ability on the outside. But I just get the sense Lane's got something up his sleeve for John Rice Plumley. Now, Plumley, he may end up being like Anaya Smith a Texas A&M. That's where I run into a little bit of conflict. I did this with Anaya Smith with the running backs. I had him as a top five running back on Alabama's schedule. In reality, potentially anyway, he might be just more of a slot guy or a wide receiver because you've got 
Uh, you know, you've got Spiller, Isaiah Spiller there at the running back position. And I think Plumlee could be sort of that guy too. You can line him up anywhere. I think he'll be more of a receiver though because you not only have Jerry on Ely back at running back for Ole Miss, but Snoop Connor is a really solid back too. You know, Texas A&M had more of a need at running back in 2020. That's why you saw Anaya Smith there as much as you did. And I don't know if they're going to have that much of a need in 2021, so it may be that Smith is more of a wide receiver, even more so than he was last year. I think Plumlee's in that sort of boat as well. And then again, you've got these these other candidates among these wide receivers and their quarterback contingent, Traylon Burks at Arkansas, is an absolute monster. He's 6'3", 225 pounds, um, had a 200-yard game at Missouri, didn't do as much against Alabama, just two catches for 16 yards, but he is a load. Now, you've got a quarterback transition there. I think Arkansas feels good about Jefferson coming in there with Felipe Franks moving on, but it's a transition nonetheless. You consider a guy like Jacob Copeland at Florida. Alabama will see him on September the 18th. He averaged 19 yards per catch last year, three touchdowns. It was overshadowed because you had Kadarius Toney, Trayvon Grimes at wide receiver, Kyle Pitts, you know, at the tight end position, but really as much of a wide receiver as a tight end. Well, Jake Copeland's got to step up. All those guys have moved on, and he has number one receiver attributes physically. Again, though, bigger question. Will he have a quarterback capable of getting him the ball on a consistent basis? Jaden Wally really came on at Mississippi State over the second half of last season. About the time Alabama shut out Mississippi State, Mike Leach made the commitment to Will Rogers at quarterback, and it seemingly coincided with Wally flourishing at wide receiver. Leach has had a couple. He had a couple of 100-catch guys at Washington State, and I don't know if Wally's going to be a 100-catch guy because the running back position in that offense with Leach, you know, Mark's the running back for Mississippi State, had 60 catches last year. Running backs get a lot of catches in that offense. But I think Wally can be 70-plus, especially if that dynamic between him and Will Rogers continues to develop. But I think Kayshawn Booty, of all these guys of LSU, has a chance to be the guy at the top of the list where opposing wide receivers are concerned. I mean, he just went off. But once Terrace Marshall Jr. joined the opt-out club with Jamar Chase, uh, Booty was tremendous down the stretch of last season, and he did it with a fellow freshman at quarterback in Max Johnson. And it's not all that difficult to envision Boote and Johnson teaming up for another couple of years to be one of college football's top quarterback receiver combinations. So Kayshawn Booty had a 100-yard game against Alabama. And then he had a SEC single game record, 308 against Ole Miss. So there you go. Some college football talk to get you out of here on a Monday. Out in San Antonio at halftime, the Alabama women's basketball team leads North Carolina 41-31. to 31. Let's see if the ladies can get it done in the second half of their first-round game. Thanks to Jacob for producing the program. Thanks to you for listening as well. The lunch whistle on this 
Monday, Southern Ale House. They're going to have all the March Madness action on those televisions in the bar area there at Southern Ale House. So get by there right now. Catch the second half of the women's game. Have a great lunch. Happy hour coming up later. You'll have the Alabama men's game later this evening, I'm sure, at Southern Ale House. Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Until 11 a.m. on Tuesday, have a great rest of your Monday, everybody. 